my name is Daryl Temple. Um, I'm the lead pastor of this church. I co-lead with my wife, Bethany, uh, who's not here. We're, we're um, wrestling with some sickness in the house. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I, I, I haven't tested positive for COVID. Uh, I'm, I'm just a little bit weak today. Uh, to be honest, I don't know if it's age is just keeping up with me or if the message that we're talking about is we're talking about burnout. I don't, I don't know, but, um, you know, there, there just might be a, just a little bit uh, uh, of a struggle this morning as I fight fatigue. I've been fighting it all week, so pray for me and, and pray for my oldest son who this morning woke up feeling the same way um, that uh, God would heal his body as well. Um, the text that we're going to be in today is Matthew 11. If you want to turn your Bible there, they'll put it up on the overhead if you don't have um, your phone or a uh, Bible with you. Uh, but this is the text that we used um, last Sunday in, in the close of the sermon. It's a well-known text, a set of words by, given to us by Christ. Um, and I'm sure once I start reading it, you'll be like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Um, but let's read in verse 28 through 30, Matthew chapter 11 here, the words of Jesus. Christ says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love that there's a period there. I just think about that a little bit, just like stew on it and really let my mind think about Jesus' words here. I will give you rest. In a, in a chaotic world that we live in, man, there is such a need um, for rest that doesn't come from the world, but comes from our heavenly father and his son, Jesus. But this is his promise too. And that's startling in and of itself, isn't it? That this is Jesus's promise to us who are heavy with burdens. That he will give us rest, not reprieve, right? Not some momentary relief as some things that we try to cope with stress do in our culture, but rest. He goes on, take my yoke. That's another thing I just want to pause on a little bit. You think of the life of Christ, and he's saying to take upon, I couldn't last two seconds in, in experiencing what Christ had experienced. But here he is, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I think this is what he's saying more so, is like, observe my life, learn from me. Thank you so much, Andrew. For I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the words of your son here in Matthew 11. And I'm gonna do my best to unpack this. And Lord, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to do what I can't do. Uh, that as we look at the scripture that um, Jesus has made known and manifested in our weakness, Lord, I, ha I have a weakness today. I am, I'm feeling weak in my body and I'm asking for the strength of your son to be made known through my weakness. In Jesus' mighty name, glorify Christ, we pray. Amen. The American uh, Psychological Association put together an article detailing why Americans engage in unhealthy behaviors when managing stress. According to their research, right, Americans indulge in behaviors such as smoking, spending compulsively, no, no shame, I think that I might fit in that category, uh, drinking excessive caffeine, I, I thought it would be alcohol, although that is listed here, but caffeine seems to be something that we 
indulge ourselves in. Running away, meaning avoiding our problems altogether. Uh, consuming too much alcohol. Excessive sleeping, interesting um, little factoid there. Promiscuous behavior. Eating disorder, isolation, and the abuse of both pharmaceutical and illegal drugs. As we deal with stress, these are some of the ways in which Americans, through research, cope and handle the pressures of life. Now, the downside of this, as you could imagine, is that most of these um, ways of dealing with stress, these coping strategies that we tend to turn to in life, can, if we're not careful, turn into or morph into threatening addictions, life-threatening addictions. And we have another study to confirm that is exactly what happens. The New York uh, Academy of Science recently did some research this year on how chronic stress enhances vulnerability to addiction. I just want to read a little quote from the article I found fascinating, quite telling. Stress has long been known to increase vulnerability to addiction. The last decade has led to a dramatic increase in understanding the underlying mechanisms for this association. Behavioral and neurobiological correlates are being identified. And some evidence of molecular and cellular changes associated with chronic stress and addiction have been identified as well. This is an interesting take on America, isn't it? The most prosperous, some say, blessed culture in all of the world. Like it or leave it. But it seems like, man, we are petering out on the edge. And we're dealing with our stress in ways that are unholy, ungodly, and are going to kill us eventually if we're not careful. Now, let's get back to the text. Those are some of just some of the statistics. But how many know that Jesus always defies statistics. He always offers hope to the hopeless. Like you don't have to be part of the number, right? That's my hope. I was once part of the number. But if you knew my story, it's amazing that I stand here before you today. I'm not trying to boast. I'm boasting in Christ and his work of grace in my life. But it's amazing. There is hope. Now a little conjecture here as we look again at Matthew chapter 11. Um, But I can't help but think That when Jesus said these words in Matthew 11, he had the thought in mind that we would, we humans would gravitate towards things unrelated to him to find relief of our burdens or from what burdens us. Hence, I believe this is Jesus's invitation. This is the reason why he invites us to come. Just a couple examples of this, I think, that kind of we see in the Gospels Um, examples of characters who I I think in part, although the scripture doesn't necessarily tell us this is what's happening, just automatically assume that some of this must be happening in these biblical characters' lives. So you take, for example, John chapter four, the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman of which Jesus encounters. Um, And we're gonna get back into the story a little bit. If you're not familiar, no, this is, you know, I'm gonna judge you. We'll do that later. Um, No, just kidding, just kidding. Um, But In this story, this woman, this Samaritan woman, is clearly trying to cope with some kind of deep embedded pain by uh, the relationship she seems to be running to. And again, we're going to get to the story, and we're going to follow it all the way through next Sunday, so you're going to have to come to hear the the capstone of the uh, series. But, But she's clearly... 
um, addicted to kind of filling up the emptiness. There's something going on in her life. And it seems to be that relationship seems to be her outlet or where she's trying to cope with the pain. Now, this is conjecture, okay? I'm not like, I'm just like, okay, can, you, can we do this in church? The second story is the rich young ruler who is clearly trying to fill his life up with acquiring possessions, right? That he could not bring himself, that when he wanted to follow Christ, right? He couldn't bring himself to part with those possessions. He asked, what do I must do to be saved, right? Or what are you gonna do? And Jesus is like, hey, sell all you have and give the proceeds to the poor. And he could not do it. Now, I just submit to you this morning, is it possible that these examples, in part, are meant to give us a look into what happens when we believers try coping with stress and pain apart from Jesus? In other words, is promiscuity, I always butcher this word, but is materialism the means of which uh, that biblical character in uh, the, young, um, the young ruler the rich young ruler, is, is, is materialism the result of him trying to, to deal with something deeply embedded, some kind of pain deeply embedded in his soul that it just kind of, you know, works its way out with it. He just buys everything, you know? Who's like that? I mean, I'm, I, I gotta be careful. I, 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 can, I can relate a little bit. I guess what I'm trying to say is, with those two stories, what's driving that Samaritan's woman? What's driving her need to have all those relationships? And is it just wealth? Is wealth the reason that this young ruler is acquiring all these possessions? I don't think so. I don't think so. Whatever the case, my point is this. We all have different ways, right, of coping with the problems and the stresses in our lives. We all have different ways. We all have, you may not be in touch with them, but trust me, they're there. Now, here's the thing, friends. You know, Irregardless of what some pastors and so-called men and women of God want to declare from pulpits, especially here in America, let me just put a little disclosure here. We will never, ever, on this side of eternity, escape from problems. Ever. <laughs> you know? And, and there's, I, I, I have to believe that they're well-meaning, you know, Jesus-loving people. But, but there's this sentiment in the church, especially in the pulpits of America, where it's kind of like if you're suffering problems, if you're experiencing trouble, then there has to be something wrong with you. You know, so if you just adjust your mentality, like the way you think about things, then you'll have those riches. You'll have what you're, you'll have less problems. But hey, Jesus makes it very clear, crystal clear, that in this world, we will have troubles. They're going to come. But even though those things are real and they're going to come, they're going to happen, we can manage how we're gonna respond to them when they come. Amen, somebody, anybody with me, right? Yeah, that deserves a clap. I mean, you guys are making me work hard for this, jeez. I promise this is as good as it gets. <laughs> oh, Cambridge, how I love thee. Hans Seeley said this, it's not stress that kills us, it's our reaction to it. This is what Jesus is getting to the heart of here in Matthew chapter 11, right? Jesus says, and I touched upon this last Sunday, I am the remedy for your burdened soul. Come to me. Don't, don't go, don't, Turn to materialism. Don't run to relationships to try to fill that God-shaped void. 
Don't isolate yourself and pull away from community and other God-fearing, Jesus-loving people. Don't run and bury your pain and alcoholism uh, to find some kind of temporary relief from what stresses stresses you out in life. But come to me, not just to find relief, of which I think some of these things that I rattled off just do that. They, they provide relief and reprieve, a kind of temporary a moment that does not last. So I, Jesus said, I, I give you more than just relief. Right? I will give you rest. Rest. Interestingly enough, the Greek word here for the word rest means to be refreshed from tiredness. That's awesome. This is a specific kind of rest that Jesus is offering us. Man, this, if, if you're here and you're on the fringes of burnout or maybe you're in the throes of it, this is good news, friends. This is good news. Like most Christians, you know, this is how they kind of treat burnout. I just need a sabbatical. Just need some time off. That's good. But that's not enough. Who are we turning to? That's the question. What are we running to? To fill our depleted souls. To fill our weary hearts with strength. Now, I don't know about you, but I used to be a bit of a drinker. (laughs) Um, Yep, it's true. Heavy one. (laughs) Although I, I would only like gravitate to the kind of like fruity drinks. Like I could never do like, you know, a beer. It just tasted bad. I had to do like a Mike's hard lemonade, right? Like is it, they, my friends would all laugh at me. I don't know if that's a thing. They'd be like, oh man, you're such, well, I won't even tell, tell you what they would, tell, uh, would call me. Um, but, but I used to be a drinker. I used to be promiscuous and materialistic. And, and let me tell you something. Those things never left me feeling refreshed. Ever. On the contrary, those things left me feeling rather uh, depleted and empty and, for the most part, unsatisfied. Friends, coping or attempting to satisfy stress and weariness with earthly vices, let's call them, will always end in disappointment and discontentment. What happens is, is we end up throwing things like alcohol and uh, isolation into the mix, right? Uh, hoping it will provide some kind of relief when in reality, all it does is pique our suspicion that there's something else needed to help us through this stressful moment. Yeah. True though, that's why we're clapping because you're like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Throw whatever sticks, whatever's gonna bring some kind of relief, right? Well, we do this, we do this, and we find out we're even more tired because it doesn't end up working. Just doesn't doesn't solve the problem of our emptiness. I love what C.S. Lewis says and how he puts it: creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. That's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? Most Christians just want to think, oh, it's the evil desire. (laughs) Get away from me. But C.S. Lewis has another take on it. No, he says this. I'll read it again. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hungry. Well, there's such thing as food. A duckling, interesting he uses a duckling. I don't. I, I could think of a better animal, stronger one, maybe a dog or something. I don't know. But a duckling wants to swim. 
Well, there's water. If I find in myself a desire, he goes on to say, which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I love that. <laughs> well, it gets better. It's better. That's, yeah, it gets better. Wish this was mine, but um, but that that could open up a whole other, you know, path of conversation this morning. But we'll stay on track, okay? He goes on. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures, excuse me, will never were never meant to satisfy it but only to arouse it to suggest the real thing. I, I, I may have gotten the weeds there a little bit, but let's, let's kind of suss out what C.S. Lewis is saying here, if we could. And put this at the front of the close here. Jesus stands, not as a real thing as C.S. Lewis is uh, suggesting here, but a real person. Who, who wants to refresh the weary and satisfy the dissatisfied. In order to get a little closer to the heart of what C.S. Lewis is talking about, let's look at John chapter four. Because I think the story of the Samaritan woman is, is a beautiful picture of things that we hear in this room and we hear as a nation in, the, in America struggle with deeply. And if you're not familiar with John chapter four, let me just summarize you know, what's going on, give some context here, and then we'll get into the close of the sermon and hopefully by God's grace, our hearts will be touched. But in John chapter four, Jesus, if you're familiar, you know this, that he took a journey, right? He's going to Galilee. And interestingly enough, it's the most direct route, so it makes sense. He goes through Samaria, but he stops at a well. And this is quite controversial because the Samaritans and Jews, well, they don't get along, right? They hate each other. Bad blood, right? But Jesus, in Jesus' style, does only what Jesus does, and he just you know, parks himself in front of a well, sits there for a little while, while his disciples go on to the city to get some food. Now there, in a real awkward time of the day, it's almost like Jesus had it planned out. Most theologians say he did. I, I mean, he's the son of God. It would make sense. But a woman shows up. It's an awkward time of the day in that it is hot out. It is hot out. And uh, for the most part, if women were going to go to the well to get water for their homes, they would go at a different time of the day when the sun wasn't so scorching. And they would usually go in twos or threes. And this woman was alone. It was almost as if no one liked her. How many can relate to that? I can. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but she clearly is a bit of an outcast, has to be, um, in that she's going there at an awkward time of the day, and she's there alone. But she runs into Jesus, and a conversation gets started between Christ and the Samaritan woman. Jesus, kind of confusingly to the woman, asks for a drink, right? In verse 7, the woman's a bit confused, naturally. What is a Jewish man, uh, you know, asking me for a drink? It's kind of like her take, like, what are you doing even, like, talking to me? Jews don't care and have nothing to do with Samaritans. 
And I just want to read um, verse 10, if I could, if you could put it up on the overhead. Jesus answered her after this confusion that she had with a kind of interesting response, if you think about it. He doesn't answer even the question. He just kind of, get, kind of goes right into like starting to minister to this lady's soul. And he says this, if you knew the gift of God, nothing about, you know, her questions, just like if you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This naturally piques the interest of the Samaritan woman and her response in John chapter 4, 11 and 12, she said this, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and this well is deep. Where do you get this living water? It's almost like Jesus is like, like this woman's like saying, is this something new, right? Are you the supplier man? You know, come on. Uh, like, where do you get this stuff? But she's like inquiring. She's interested. She's, her interest is piqued. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us a swell and, and drank from it himself, as did his son in his livestock. Now, here's where I just want to pause for a moment. Just say something briefly. I'd imagine at this point in the conversation, the conversation is going to take a turn, um, that the word thirst has a different meaning, right? Um, to the kind of thirst that maybe this woman is thinking about. In, in other words, I don't think Jesus means the kind of thirst that could be quenched by the water that's in that well. Are you tracking me? Uh, I think Jesus is talking about the thirst she's trying to quench with the men she's had traffic in and out of her life over the years. We haven't got there in the chapter yet, but this is where Jesus is steering the conversation. Actually, we're not going to get there today because we're going to pick up the conversation next Sunday. It's very fascinating. The kindness and the gentleness and the lowliness of Christ and the interest that he has in this woman. Friends, let me just make this promise to you. He has the same interest in you today. Listen, no matter what trough this week you've been drinking from to feed your pain, to kind of quell your sadness and depression. No matter where you were last night, the night before, it doesn't matter. Jesus has the same invested interest in you today that he's expressing here in this story. Jesus in verse 13 says this, everyone who drinks of this water, this, this earthly water, not necessarily that's in the well, He's about ready to take the conversation in the direction where like, you know, like, I, I know where you're at, honey. I'm paraphrasing. I mean, Jesus didn't use the word honey, you know. But he's about ready to get like reader email, you know, like, and, and, and he's just leading up to it. And he's not necessarily just going after it, like, immediately. He's trying to get into the psychological, you know, like, struggle that she's probably even unaware of that she's living out in real time through these relationships that she's had with these other men. The word thirsty here is what's known as a figurative extension of a spiritual need that only God can satisfy. So in essence, Jesus is like, listen, I know you're thirsty. And listen, I, I have water for you, but it's, it's not like the water that's in this well. I, I have in me something that can quench your thirst and your hunger 
And, and it's not a physical hunger, right? It's, it's, this, it's, it's this living out in real time, this, this brokenness, this kind of sussing out her pain through uh, the many relationships. So Jesus is being metaphorical, right? Jesus often used thirst as a picture of, of spiritual need and, and longing that we all have. For example, in John 7, 37, he said this. Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, this, this is where I want to leave today's conversation. And I, I'm doing it intentionally uh, because next Sunday, we have, to, we have to really get in and dig deep and, and just see Jesus' compassionate heart on full display and then inject ourselves into the stories. Because you know what? Every one of us here today, unbeknownst to you or not, if you're aware of it or not, are like this woman. It does, it does not matter how many years you've been walking with Jesus. It does not matter if you're fairly new, if you're just seeking, or if you've been at this for 20 years. Every single one of us are trying to get our needs met. Yeah. Trying to get satisfaction in things that God has never meant for us to get satisfaction in. But here's the thing. He, he doesn't sit there and start to accuse this girl of what she's running to. He actually tells her, go get your source of pain and bring him to me. Like, like before, before he even gets into like ministering life to this woman. He says, no, no, like, like you, you may think that, that, you know, God, the son is, has come down with a sword and he's just gonna, you know, cut down his enemies and everyone who has an issue of promiscuity, he's just going to oh, off with their heads. But no, he doesn't. He says, go get those things that you've thirst for and bring them to me, bring them before me. My question today, and this is where I would like to leave it, just for today, is what are you today, what are you running to, to cope with your pain, to, to cope with the brokenness maybe in your marriage, to cope with, with the, 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 the lack of finances in your life, whatever it might be. I don't, I don't know. I, I imagine every one of us has come in the doors of this place with different needs, in different ways of coping with pain. I would like to invite all of us as a body man, if you are, if you know, if you know you're not coming to Jesus, I would like to invite us as a collective body to reorientate our direction and, 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 and kind of leave the things that only offer temporary relief and go to the person, not the thing, that, that brings rest everlasting. French mathematician Alice Pascal said this, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing. But only God, the creator, made known through Jesus. You may agree with this. You may not agree with this statement. But I've come to find now that in being a Christian for 20 plus years that that statement, that quote is so very true. So very true. 
And I think God's grace today is being extended towards us to kind of just redirect ourselves in a path that starts coming to Jesus rather than going to maybe alcoholism or the club on Saturday night, maybe the many relationships, you know. Maybe it's drug abuse. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just you, you, you go, to, go to Target a lot. You shop. I, I don't know. There's, there's, you know. God wants to redirect that. He wants to redirect you so that you come to him and find rest. I would say even more so than your, your sabbaticals. <laughs> Take them. Take them. Be wise. Because in no place in scripture did Jesus ever say, hey man, if you just kind of take yourself out of the life of the church, man, that's the answer. That's where you're gonna find strength. That's where you're gonna get refreshed. No, we gotta come to Jesus. And it's not just a one time, you know, thing where you just come, you know, all right, do your work so I can be satisfied and never thirst again. No, you come and you keep coming and you feel the weariness of the world weighing in upon your life. Come and say, God, here am I. Let me find rest in you. I don't assume to know. What you might be running to when you're stressed out. But I want to just, in closing, ask this, you know, or more so just convey my heart to want to pray for you that we together as a body, as a people, could redirect ourselves from these vices and to Christ's loving arms. Man, if that's you and you're like, yeah, I, I can't relate, man. I, I go to things that I have nothing to do with Jesus. Uh, there's grace, there's grace here this morning. And so, as we close and as we bring this moment to an end, we're gonna open this altar and there's gonna be some people up here who, who want to pray for you and who want to believe God for this. I'm so fortunate that men stood with me when, when I was more prone to run to alcohol than I was Jesus, seven years into faith, hiding you know, to the package store, bringing it back to my apartment, hoping that none of my friends would see me. Young worship leader of a thriving church, drinking himself because he's struggling with such depression and insecurity. I'm so glad that men stood with me, women stood with me and, and prayed with me and believed that, that my appetites would be redirected off of things that don't really offer relief and reprieve and on to someone who offers rest. And so if that's you, if you're like, man, I'm that, I'm that person, I can relate. The altar's open. But we are gonna bring this service to a close. Guys, if you're good, man, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day and week. Uh, again, if we haven't scared you too much and you're like, ah, I kind of like this place and you wanna get some more information on us and find out how to connect with this community of faith. I want to turn your attention over to the info center. There's some people that will be over there that just want to meet you, you know, talk to you. Nothing too intrusive. You get a cool gift. We just want to work at do our thing. So stop by there. But if uh, you're here today and you're like, oh man, this, this, uh, this relates to me. I, I got to get prayer. 
I got to um, have the laying on of hands. I have to have somebody join with me in faith. Um, this altar is open. There's going to be uh, men and women here praying and uh, for you and with you. But other than that, church, have a great Sunday. Have a great week. And uh, don't be strangers. Amen. Amen. Altar's open.